If you ache for truth, goodness, and beauty, if you're hungry for a Christianity with substance and strength, if you long for a faith that's big and bold and biblical and all about Jesus Christ, if you're inspired by the idea of one church that has spanned 20 centuries, 24 time zones, and two hemispheres, enfolding every race, nation, and language, then you're considering Catholicism. Corey, normally we don't have any kind of script or outline or anything like that. This mm -hmm. is, I've had people ask us about this. Do you guys have like extensive notes? Have you pre-gamed this? Do you have a script? No, this is really just. Sometimes we come with quotes, like if, like we were talking about uh, Pope Benedict. We know we, we do this completely off the top of our head. However, we do spend all of maybe four or five minutes before we start the recorder, kind of talking a little bit about a flight plan. Sure. Like, you know, we'll kind of start the conversation a little bit with this and then maybe I'll kind of go this direction. You got to go that direction. And we'll kind of try to land here. And then it's just pretty much extemporaneous. What's going to be unique in the next, say, 20 to 25 minutes or so is we have no flight plan. <laughs> so we have not even done that minimal. We, we have absolutely dead nothing, zero. So, so keep listening. Don't so, stop now. <laughs> so this is going to be, but uh, we were recording this afternoon. And I said, you know, um, I've had something in my mind over the last day or two, and I feel like I just want to talk about it. And I don't even, it's not even a fully formed thought. And I don't really know where I want to go with this, but let's just, since we've got the recorder out, let's talk. So this is going to be an unscripted convert. Well, they're all unscripted, but a completely no even flight plan for it. Here, here's where I want to go. So I've been thinking a lot lately about the notion of natural law and common morality. Mm -hmm. so goes, oh my gosh, that just like you think about it all the time. Well, here's what I mean by that. There are certain things that are just sort of commonly decent that are sort of naturally right and wrong that have largely been recognized throughout cultures and even amongst other religions and everything else. Like mm -hmm. in general, it's frowned upon to go if my neighbor has something that I want, like a donkey or a wife or a new car, I can't just walk over there with a you know, my garden shovel and brain my neighbor and take his stuff, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't have to be a, a Catholic to not agree with that. You don't need to be a Christian. I mean, you know, uh, right? Most Buddhist, Muslims, Hindus, and for that matter, most, you know- Pagans. Pagans would say, no, you can't just look at your neighbor's new chariot or donkey or, you know, yeah. daughter or whatever and go and brain him with a garden shovel and take his stuff. Or right? at least you shouldn't. Or yeah. you shouldn't, right. You know, and you could, but you shouldn't. And we could go through on a whole lot of list of stuff that I sort of like shouldn't do because it's just kind of considered common morality, sort of transcends religions. So this is the Considering Catholicism podcast, but I'm talking about that stuff that even transcends not only Catholicism, but Christianity itself and becomes mm -hmm. sort of the common moral law amongst mankind. And the reason I've been thinking about this lately is that I look at a lot of stuff that's going on around us in the culture and in the news and I go, oh, so much of this is just awful. And I think that it would, not only do I think it's awful because I'm coming from a, from a place as a conservative Orthodox Catholic, 
but I think of my Muslim friends would think it's awful. I think a decent Buddhist thinks it's awful. I think it, my decent, you know, I got a chance to travel around the world when I was younger. And I think decent Hindu people would think this, some of this stuff is all. I think everybody, every decent person on the planet thinks some of the stuff that I see going on in the news and around us today is just horrible and awful. And that got me to thinking about this notion of sort of common or universal morality. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to stop talking because, again, we don't really have a script, but I know we have, you have some thoughts around that too as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I think it comes down to the the fact that in, in Catholic thought and, and in Christian thought classically, we have... Um, morality or, um, or beliefs, um, that are, are based on revelation, things that God has given us, things that we couldn't have figured out for ourselves. but there's an awful lot of truth that we know simply by reason. Um, and that we observe the world, we observe human society, we use our rationality and we discern what the natural law is. And we can figure out an awful lot about what is right and what is wrong by doing that, um, by plumbing human nature, um, and to understand that, um, we talk about C.S. Lewis a lot, um, who was not Catholic, but is a very good um, sort of uh, spokesperson for that that uh, sort of classic Christian synthesis, um, especially on topics um, like that of you know the basics of Christianity and, uh, and of morality. Um, and in uh, his works, he he refers to this as the Tao, um, a, a term that he borrows from Taoism, um, a classical Chinese philosophy, sort of just the natural law or human nature, the way things work. Um, and of course, this isn't perfectly perceived by all people at all times. Like there are, you know, differences in different societies, but sort of the, the mean or the average of morality for humanity across times and cultures is remarkably similar if you actually look at it. Um, people like to exaggerate the differences in in the moral codes of different places. But if you actually line up like the the texts and, and Lewis in his work and the appendix of one of his books um, has just, you know, actual quotes from from various texts from world cultures. And and you see that there's actually remarkable overlap in all of this. And so you you have a sort of a, a common heritage of natural law of, of reasonable morality um, that we can we can discern whether or not we are Christian. Right. I think he talks about this a little bit in Mere Christianity where he he gives the example of, he says, for example, marriage. Mm -hmm. He said, now throughout cultures and religions, some of the customs around marriage and the boundaries of marriage might be different. So in some customs you can have three cultures, you might have three wives and some you know, one wife and some cultures, divorce is easier and some it's harder. But he said, there's no culture anywhere that just said anybody should be able to grab any woman they want and just take her. Mm -hmm. Uh, It doesn't work that way. And, uh, or whatever, right? That there's always some boundaries. And I think in that same passage in mere Christianity, he talks about chastity. He says the Victorian lady, you know, with modesty, her, yeah. yeah, modesty, right. You know, dressed up to the, you know, her, her chin in, you know, eight layers of fabric or whatever. And the Polynesian girl with a, you know, um, who's topless or whatever might be equally 
chaste within there, but nobody thought that there shouldn't be a thing called chastity or, mo- or modesty and mm-hmm. decency. And so he said there, there are these core beliefs that sort of transcend these things. And and I, and I got just to think about this because as I said a moment ago, the, the, the sort of awfulness of our society today, right? Uh, you know, it's I often hear people say, especially over the last number of years that, you know, all these other cultures or whatever despise America and despise the West, right? I remember all of this during, uh, you know, the war on terror and this and sure, that. And sure. I'm certainly not defending terrorists or whatever. But one of the things I, you know, I, you and I both worked on uh, in our career and uh, worked on together uh, some books on Islam mm-hmm. and this and that. And we know that there, are, there were, you know, there are many obviously very decent moral Muslims. Most Muslims around the world are decent moral people. and But a lot of times they have a critique of America that it's a degenerate, depraved, <laughs> immoral mess of a culture. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> right? I mean, I find it very difficult to argue with them right. on and, that. And their reaction to that may be equally morally depraved if they're a terrorist and are driving well, planes into buildings. Well, not right. But, but, the, but the, the fundamental right. critique of our culture as being degenerate and, you know, immoral and degenerate, you go, well, kind of a point there. Yeah. 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 I I find it hard to defend. Uh, And I had conversations with Muslims about that and they go, you come from America and you, you know, look at, look at, and they, they catalog all the, ways that our culture has become, and I don't need to re- recite them here, but have become completely depraved and degenerate. And they go, that's the country you want to defend? And I'm like, well, no, I mean, I don't defend any of that stuff. I mean, and this is where I said to you kind of when I said, hey, let's run the recorder again, because I was watching the other day on YouTube. I don't know. I, I followed some link off Twitter or something. And there was a, there was like a panel discussion and they were talking about something kind of about this. And there was a guy in the panel discussion. It was like a conservative, Muslim. I don't mean like a, uh, a jihadi type, you know, but just a just a guy from wherever he was, Turkey or Lebanon or something, was a very, you know fairly conservative kind of person. And then there was on this panel some young woman from the West was another panelist, and they were talking about marriage and dating and customs and relationships between the genders and all this kind of stuff. And he was talking about how within his culture there would be a preservation of modesty, decency. If he was interested in a woman, he would inquire. There would be a courtship process. He would talk to their family, uh, to her family, make sure they would want to vet him to make sure that he wasn't, you know, a you know, bad person or whatever. And that there was a process by which there would be a sort of a decent courtship leading up to marriage versus this other person who was a panelist, you know, and she's like, well, I just swipe left to right on Tinder or whatever and have 47 sexual partners last month or, you know, whatever crazy thing. And I was watching this and going, I think (laughs) I like the Muslim guy on this deal. Right. I mean, she's some fallen away Catholic and I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm with this guy, right. You know, like what he's saying, not everything, but I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying? But like, and so it comes back to this thing, you go, well, you know, would you rather live next door? Would you rather live in a village with a morally upright Muslims and Buddhists and Hindus or whatever, or in a village next to a bunch of fallen away, depraved, 
Catholics. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, you know, for your own self, self-preservation and the preservation of your children, I go, I'd rather live in the place that they practiced common morality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, and it's not to dismiss, of course, the differences between different religions or the fact that there there are differences in in moral codes. And, and obviously we're Catholics and we think that the Catholic understanding of morality is the fullest and most true. And, and so it's not to dismiss the differences between Catholic moral understandings and Muslim or secular or, or whatnot or pagan, but, but it is to, to emphasize the fact that there, there is a common ground. And insofar as we as, as Catholics embrace reason and as people of goodwill of other beliefs embrace reason, we can have that common ground. It can be an immensely important tool for living together in a society in which not everyone is of the same belief. It can also be the beginning of uh, evangelization of, of saying, well, we, we have this in common. Let's build on that and, and let me preach to you the gospel of Jesus Christ because we have a, a starting place and, and a, a, some mutual beliefs that we can build on there. Right. I mean, part of it is a, is a differentiation between sort of cultures and sort of existential ways that we live versus doctrines, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, we've talked on the podcast before about all these statistics that show, you know, 70% of Catholics don't know the doctrines of the church or practice them or whatever. 55% of them disagree with the church's sexual morality, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I've baptized, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, and then you go, well, okay, that's, that's their belief system and their lifestyles and their practices, which they don't live up to the teachings of the church. They know either don't know or reject or don't live up to the teachings of the church. But there's this whole other thing, which is just how do we be good neighbors with people? right? And there's culture. And the thing is, is that you can live in a moral culture or a culture that practices a higher level of morality, even though, right? Because that's, we're talking about a different thing here. We're talking about uh, moral practices. And so again, I'm just going to, we'll pick this example. Suppose I lived, uh, I moved to Turkey or Lebanon or something, and I lived in some town in Cappadocia, which I've always wanted to go to because it's really cool with the caves and all that. Uh, but you go there and you go, okay, I'm surrounded by a bunch of people who have to make Muslims, but they also, they don't steal my stuff, right? And they're not going to try to, you know, rape my daughter and they're not going to, right? I mean, and so they can be, you know, decent moral neighbors versus I live in some town with a bunch of depraved, you know, fallen away people that are uh, you know, boarding baby Indians and euthanizing old people and, and stealing my stuff and everything else. Mm-hmm. And you can go, well, you know, where would you like to live? Because which culture, and do you live in a culture that broadly supports those kinds of common moral, those moral laws that are, that are universal? Yeah. And, and I, th- I think those are, are good examples. Now, of course, it, just because a culture upholds those natural laws based on reason doesn't mean that individuals or large numbers of individuals necessarily live up to them. Like you can have both Christian societies in which people steal and and do all kinds of um, immoral things. And of course, people are human and are fallen and do that. You can have uh, people who, uh, you know, whether they're, they're Muslims or, or Buddhists or whatnot, who adhere to a moral code that's based on the natural law, but don't 
perfectly live right. up okay. to it. So, so right, okay. So, so we can talk about yeah. averages among people, a thousand mm-hmm. people in the village, or we can talk about an individual. Right. So I can say my 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 neighbor. I have two neighbors. On one side is Omar. I'm just hypothetically right, and Omar, uh, you know, is Lebanese and he's a Muslim and he mows his lawn and he doesn't steal my lawn, my mow my lawn mower and he right treats his family decently and he pays his taxes and he doesn't, you know, blah, 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 blah. And go down the whole line. And then on the other side, I've got, you know, Patrick, who's some kind of depraved, fallen away Catholic, right? There's two different issues here. One is theological, sacramental relationship with God. So Patrick, in some ways, is sacramentally connected because he was baptized in the Catholic Church and confirmed with the Catholic Church and in some sense has a sacramental relationship, but he's living a very immoral life, Omar, on the other side of me, right, does not have a sacramental relationship with Christ, but he's living a moral life. Now, to be perfectly clear, this is not me saying that Omar gets to heaven because he was a good person. Nobody say, take what I'm saying and say that because if you do good deeds, you get to go to heaven. Right. We don't do know bad. which of them or any of them. I, right. I'm, I'm not, that's not what I'm about. What I'm just talking about is, is in the level of society and culture, and when we look at the wheels falling off our culture, we somehow have to find a way back to moral decency. Right. And I, and I think- This isn't uh, a theological yeah. conversation. It's about moral cultural decency. Right. Um, and, and I keep coming back to the fact that all of this is, is knowable by reason. And insofar as we are a reasonable culture and reasonable individuals, we follow the natural law and, and we follow common decency. So I think the, the diagnosis perhaps of- of the fact that we are on a large scale turning away from natural law and in, on an intellectual basis of not believing in it anymore and then on the practical basis of not following it is the crisis in confidence in reason and in the, the idea that there's such a thing as human nature and a natural morality. So I want to ground this now, kind of bring this to scripture, mm-hmm. okay? And give this, give this a sort of a theological thing. And again, to anybody, you know, all you listeners out there, this is this conversation is not about theology and it's not about salvation. So this I'm not this is right. zero and it's not to, do to with say that. that it'd be better if everybody was decent Catholics. I mean everybody was decent Muslims because of course we want everybody to be decent Catholics. Like right, that right. would be the right. idea. This this is this is a rare conversation on this podcast that is not about theology, but it's about culture and practice. And uh, what I'm just saying is that. We live in a society where the wheels have fallen off the moral wagon and somehow we have to find a way back to being a decent society and a decent culture. And those, those ideas of common decency are not unique mm-hmm. to Catholicism. It's not a unique idea. It's not uniquely Catholic not to take my garden shovel next door and beat my neighbor's brains out to steal his car. You don't have to be a Catholic to not do that. Mm -hmm. But we need to get back to a society where people don't do stuff like that, okay? Mm -hmm. So now what I do want to do is bring at least a little scripture in theology. And as we said at the beginning, we don't have (laughs) any notes for this or any script. But what I do have is a Bible here on my phone. And uh, I pulled up a passage that I want to read that I think bears on this, Mm -hmm. and then I'll let you comment on it. I'm just going to read it. You know, I read you, you comment. All right. But this is from Romans chapter one, right? Mm -hmm. This is how Paul sort of opens the book of Romans. Yeah. And this is like 14, 15 verses. So anybody who wants to follow along at home, Romans chapter one, beginning with verse 18, I'll read and Corey make commentary. Okay. Okay. So Paul writes, 
For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all the ungodliness and wickedness of men who by their wickedness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Ever since the creation of the world, his invisible nature, namely his eternal power and deity, has been clearly perceived in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became, claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men or birds or animals or reptiles. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies amongst themselves. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in their own persons the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a base mind and improper conduct. They were filled with all manner of wickedness, evil, covetousness, malice. Full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malignity, they are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's decree that those who do such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but approve those who practice them. That's Romans 1, 18-32. Yeah, so that's kind of the classic text on natural theology and, and natural law. So what Paul's outlining there is, I mean, it's kind of in response to the supposition, you might say, of, well, most of the world didn't have the kind of revelation that was given to the Jews, so why should we hold them accountable for the wrong things that they've done? And, and Paul says, well, they did know, and there there is a sense an awful lot that you can actually know about God um, from his creation that you can deduce. And we know that from the history of, of philosophy and religion, the, the Greeks being the prime example that's often used, but certainly other cultures as well, um, that, that people deduced an awful lot about, about God and about his attributes and about um, how people ought to behave, um, the natural law of, of mankind based on, on the God that they they knew through natural theology. And so Paul is saying that they're, they're without excuse, um, that they should have been able to, and they, they did have knowledge of God um, and chose idolatry instead, chose to worship creatures, things like food and power. And, and you know, um, you think of ancient deities associated with fertility or with, uh, with the crops growing or any number of things um, that might be more relevant in, in today's society. And, and so you, if a society and, and the individuals in it give that up and worship other things, they turn away from the natural theology or the natural knowledge of God. They also turn away from the natural law. Paul uses the language of, of God giving them over to it, of uh, essentially not, uh, you know, 
preventing the consequences of their actions of turning away from him and turning away from the natural law. And he has that whole litany of various um, sins and evils that people fall into when they turn against God and the natural law. And there's all kinds of stuff in there. There's disobedience to parents. There's all kinds of what you might call spiritual sins of uh, thing, things that you, uh, that are in your heart, but, but certainly a lot of things that you do with your body or that you do to your neighbor. Um, there's, there's a kind of a highlight there of homosexual relations, um, because that's a, a prime example of turning away from how nature works or the natural law of how God designed men and women's bodies to work. And so uh, you have in societies that to one degree or another adhere to natural theology and natural law are going to be more likely to to uh, behave in a way in, in accord with that. So again, we don't agree with everything in Muslim theology, certainly, or in Muslim morality, but they're to, to a fairly high degree in tune with natural theology and natural law. And so they would, they would also see something wrong with homosexuality or with, with disrespect to your parents or with murder or theft or any, any of these kinds of things. Um, but in a society that turns away from natural theology or natural law, um, increasingly, uh, what Paul says that they, they not only, um, tolerate it, they, they approve it. They, they think of it as a good, um, and I think that's what a lot of us are seeing in contemporary Western society. I don't know if you've ever been to San Francisco. Uh, just once. Okay. Um, and I'm not going in the direction that you think of when I ask. <laughs> well, if you I do just, go with, go with flowers in your hair. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, I'm not, uh, when I bring up San Francisco right now, I'm not going down the allusion to Romans one and the practices of people in San Francisco. That's not what I'm going. Where I'm going is the hills. Mm -hmm. Like it's super hilly. Yes. Like insanely yes. hilly. And if you've ever had a car in San Francisco, because I've driven in San Francisco, uh, you know, you got to park the car and you turn the, you turn the wheels into the curb and you don't crank the pull thing, your parking right? Break. You your parking, yeah. right? Because if you don't, once you turn, like, let that go, man, it's just going to go downhill into the bay, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's going to, it's going to be like in a movie, like, you know, in Steve McQueen and Bullet, man, it's going to be jumping over the, <laughs> you know, the, the intersections and past the Ricerone, you know, uh, cable car. And you're going like down into Fisherman's Wharf and into the bay. Um, and I think where Paul is going with this is once you sort of pull the stops out, once the brakes give out on a moral society, once society is sort of turned away from that common morality, you know, I'm not talking about Jesus and the resurrection. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about those things that we would call special revelation. And of course, that's ultimately what Paul is preaching yeah. and what Paul wants to get across to people. Is there and is this sort of common, this common mm -hmm. natural moral mm -hmm. law that the creator has made known to all of his creation and that all of mankind, whether they're Christian or not, whether they live on that the, the steps of outer Mongolia or in the jungles of, you know, South America or whatever, all of mankind can look at the creation and, and discern this natural moral law, Paul says. And once you turn away from that, then it's like the car rolling down the street of San Francisco into the bay because there's no brakes. Nothing's going to stop it. It's out of control. And that's why he has that long list there of all these horrible, 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 horrible things that, that, you know, the, the, you know, the literally it just, you know, goes downhill from there and everything gets horrible and depraved. And it strikes me that we've hit that inflection point 
at least in the West. And I think that's where, you know, people in other countries, and so now they make this critique. And of course, we're supposed to say, well, no, you know, I mean, hey. It's freedom, America. It's America. And I go, well, hold on. I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm with you because I look around every day and I go, man, and part of me thinks, well, I'm just an old guy, you know, so maybe, you know, I'm just too old or whatever. But I don't think that has nothing to do with it. I just look around and I go, we have crossed some inflection point where, you know, the brakes have gone out and we're rolling down the hill into the, you know, to Fisherman's Wharf and into the bay because there is no common moral law or moral decency anymore. And, uh, and, and we're reaching this point of total depravity. Uh, and I don't mean that in the theological sense of Calvinism, but mm-hmm. in this, in the practical sense of how society just comes. I mean, this is Weimar Republic stuff, you know? Yeah. And, and, and it's important not to overstate the case. I mean, this doesn't mean that like everybody you walk past on the street would brain you and take your wallet if they had a chance. Like, like there, there are natural law does just live in people's hearts if they're using their reason at all. But we're talking about, um, sort of, a a, a general or a corporate, um, uh, sort of withering away of that, of that sense of natural law and that obedience to it, which has effects on every individual, but also the the corporate effects on the whole society. Right. I mean, obviously we're not saying that everybody is as bad as they can be, but what we're saying is in this sense, the, the, the sort of cultural um, norms have been so eroded that now, you know, there's, almost, there's no breaks on the thing. And so that, that brings it back to us as those who are, uh, obedient to the natural law, whether we be Christians or not. And it puts it particularly on those of us who are Christians, mm-hmm. who, who not only have the natural revelation that Paul talks about in Romans 1, but also have the special revelation of Jesus Christ and the sacramental, you know, present in the Holy Spirit in our lives. We have to be salt and light in a society. You know, that, that, uh, that uh, uh, analogy of Jesus is used all the time, salt and light, but we don't think about what that actually means. You know, salt, you put the salt, uh, the Roman and the ancient world, you put, you packed meat with salt so that it wouldn't rot, rot, you know, and there has to be light that there's darkness and rot and we have to be um, the salt and light in this society. Uh, but we also have to figure out how to live in it, you know? So I've reached a point where, you know, my kids are, are, are grown, but you, you have small, small children at home, mm-hmm. Corey. So now you have to figure out how do I raise these children in this society that is, you know, pick your... Pick your example, you know, whether this is ancient Corinth or it's ancient Babylon or it's Sodom and Gomorrah or whatever it is that we're living through, but it's, it's, it's pretty, you know, bad. And you have to figure out how you raise moral kids in an immoral culture. And, and I think it's, it's tough. Mm -hmm. It's tough for us to all figure this out. So, and I think that where we can make common cause, and I think that's where we want to kind of land this thing, because it's kind of where I started it. What I've been thinking about lately is wherever I can find an ally. And I'm not talking about theologically. I'm not talking about doctrinally. I'm not talking about sacramentally, but wherever I can find an ally, neighbors who will band together to build decent neighborhoods where our children are safe and we don't have moral degeneracy, then I think we need to build those, those allies. And I do think that's one of the things that Pope Francis has, has tried to do is to mm-hmm. figure out where, where can we reach across and, and, and make elite alliances with those who, who are of other faiths or of no faith to at least find those things that we have in common uh, for common moral decency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And that's part of 
the Christian's call to live in the world. Um, and it's in no way does it replace uh, the the call for the Christian to evangelize and to, to try to um, bring others to the faith, to revelation. Um, but oftentimes I think it's a, it's a precursor of it or, or a, a paves the way for it because it's very hard to embrace the Christian faith if you have not before that embraced natural law. Um, it, there's, there's a framework there that makes it a lot easier because God is reasonable and he created the, the creation. He created human nature. Um, and so we would expect to see that any reasonable, reasonable person, um, even if they don't have revelation, would come to similar conclusions about the way the world works and about morality. Um, and so if, if somebody is convinced of that, then they've come a good way along the path to being convinced of the God of Jesus Christ. Well, I'd also say another thing too, that, you know, to, to, to come into the gospel and where a Christian witness comes into this, it's, it's hard for us. None of us are perfect. That's why as a Catholic, you know, we have the sacrament of confession and reconciliation and absolution. So none of us are going to live perfect lives, mm-hmm. right? And Catholic societies have not been perfect societies. Absolutely. So that, but yeah. that being stipulated, it's very difficult for us to share Christ with the world and do evangelization when we ourselves, if we ourselves don't practice at least some common mm-hmm. decency and practice the common decency that should be avail- available to and, and evident, as Paul says, to all mankind. So how much our witness gets undermined? You know, we, you and I were talking this morning in a different context about evangelization in the church and what are the, str- what the struggles that we have to evangelize. And I think, you know, frankly, one of them is when you look at a church in America where the majority of Catholics don't agree with, baptized mm-hmm. and confirmed Catholics, don't agree with their church's moral teaching and don't, practice it. it. Yeah. Uh, it's very difficult. I mean, well, it's very difficult to evangelize. It's not hard to understand why we aren't effective at it mm-hmm. because we can go out and say, well, the church teaches X, Y, Z. And they can say, look, I know 10 Catholics and son of seven of them don't practice that or agree with it. So what is our witness? Mm-hmm. And so it's not that we are saved by moral actions. Okay. But, but immoral actions undermine when we live gro- grossly immoral lives, we're not going to live perfect lives. We're going to sin. We're going to go to confession and reconciliation. But when we sort of live grossly un- immoral lives, not even practicing the, you know, the common decency that we're talking about, it's, it really does undermine, you know, our witness oh, yeah, in, in the world. And so we have to start building decent families and decent communities and we have to build alliances with others to build decent communities i mean when i look at our schools and you know of course our catholic schools but i even just look at our public schools and i look at our neighborhoods and i go how do we reach across the street to neighbors who may or may not share our catholic faith but work together to build decent neighborhoods that are safe and and morally credible and and where uh, you know we have to find ways to do that mm-hmm. so well, there we go. It's a small challenge, but an important challenge. So, all right. Well, thanks, Corey. Yep. Thanks Come you, back. Greg. Thank you for listening. My name is Greg Smith. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, would you please hit the like and subscribe buttons wherever you get your podcasts? And please share it with others. And if you're curious about the Catholic worldview and faith, the church and its saints, or Catholic history, culture, and art, then visit consideringcatholicism.com.
Greg.com. And email me to let me know what you think. Greg at ConsideringCatholicism.com. <laughs>